She Loves Herself with Jill Ritchie, showing you how to embrace vulnerability and unearth your power within. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of She Loves Herself, the podcast. It's Friday, which means we have a guest. This week we have the very beautiful Amy Irons. Amy and I have never met before. We actually didn't know each other um, a few months ago and we were introduced and she came on the podcast and initially we started talking about social media filters and the damage that quite often using filters and social media can do to our mental health and that then went on to Amy sharing with myself and the listeners something that happened to her um, in her life three years ago where she was directly affected by someone very very close to her taking their own life and the effects that that had on her and the people around her and her road to recovery and beginning to rebuild her life and start to really work on herself and take personal responsibility for how she was feeling and how she was going to get through her grief. This episode is really touching and it's really moving and it got me at a few points I I was just mesmerized and and really drawn into just the way Amy speaks the way she carries herself her energy is is so beautiful speaking to her it's like chatting to one of your one of your best friends you know when you just meet someone and you just click with them that is how I felt with Amy and I'm sure that when you listen to this you'll feel exactly the same. She's just a gorgeous, gorgeous person inside and out and left me feeling really inspired. So I hope that you guys feel the same listening to this episode. And if anyone wants to reach out after this episode, I have put some links in the show notes um, for people that you can speak to if you are affected by this episode. She loves herself with Jill Ritchie. Welcome to the She Loves Herself podcast, Amy Irons. Oh, Jill, so nice to see you. I wish I could give you a hug in person. We're just going to have to go for this. I know. Oh my God, a virtual hug, right? Yeah. So welcome. And I'm so pleased that you say Jess to coming on. And we're going to chat about, you know, loving yourself, empowerment, strength, vulnerability, fears, all of the juicy stuff that everyone wants to hear about, right? Because we all know the good stuff that goes on in people's lives, but we actually don't know sometimes what's going on and what's underneath. And a great opportunity on a Friday is to have a guest on who we think, listeners may think they know about you, but maybe there's quite a lot that they don't know. And my intention for this, for anyone listening, is that you feel inspired by listening to Amy. Um, no pressure there. <laughs> no pressure. She's like, oh, cheers. Thanks. You're like totally bumming me up here. <laughs> we can do. <laughs> so what does the term she loves herself, what does that initially throw up for you, Amy? Well, we were actually talking about this, Jill, and initially it actually makes you think of almost that kind of teenage sense of being a negative 
of like, oh, she, she loves herself, as if it's a bad thing, mm. as if having confidence and loving yourself for who you are is a negative when it really shouldn't be. And it's not until probably, you know, I'm approaching 30 now and some of the things that go on in your life, you actually appreciate the fact that, no, it is right that I love myself and I need to actually love myself first in order to be you know comfortable in my own skin and have healthy relationships and just feel fulfilled and you won't be able to achieve any of those things if you don't love yourself for who you are fundamentally so I think it's it's taken what was quite a negative term and actually appreciating that we all we all need to to love ourselves for for who we are yeah definitely and is there parts of you that I found that when you think about loving yourself, is there parts of you that have found that, oh God, but there's parts of me that I actually don't love about myself, but I'm maybe learning to love, or maybe I've looked at it and compared myself to others and thought, well, they're doing this and I, I don't have that. So I don't maybe love that part of myself or I hold a sort of negativity or shame around any part of myself that I don't love. I think, gosh, I mean, for years, I would say it's actually only really been in the last maybe couple of years that I've actually got a little bit better and probably more accepting of myself, whether it's physically, whether it's who I am as a person. Um, I mean, I think the one thing that I would say is a bit comforting to see is I think the tide is starting to change a little bit on mm. social media, I would say, over the last couple of years. I think it's amazing to see just, you know, the, the tone of content is changing. There is more body positivity. There is more mental health awareness. There mm-hmm. is just, the, the tide is kind of turning away from these unrealistic expectations mm. of whether it's how somebody looks or the life that somebody has because none of it is real. And I don't think it's healthy for, I mean, you know, we are grown women, Jill, and I don't even think mm. it's healthy for us, but I think about, you know, I've got younger siblings and I think about if this is what we're showing our children, and as you say, going back to that whole thing of comparing them from such a young age, if they're seeing things on social media that is mm. just so unachievable, mm-hmm. then how are they mm-hmm. going to grow up feeling about themselves? And it's just, yeah. I think it's just so important that we do talk about how unrealistic these images are mm-hmm. on social media because that can really really wreak havoc with people's mental health and it because re- I just it has, a, it has an effect on mine at times I have to almost give myself a shake and go what are you doing this isn't even real I know I know and that's the thing right but it wreaks havoc in the ones that are doing it all the time like so so the ones that I've got you know that look like models that have this dream life and I know because I've coached people like that, that it's not real. And the pressure that they put on themselves to be a certain way on social media, it's, it's horrific because actually it's really messing with their mental health because what they're doing is every single time, and this is not just for the ones that are really in the public eye, this is for anyone. Anytime you go on social media and you take a picture of yourself and you swipe to get that first Paris filter on Instagram, <laughs> right? Of course you look better, right? Then you flip it back and you're like, oh God, I have to put the I Paris filter on. <laughs> but it's true, like anytime you're doing that, what you're doing though is you're affirming not good enough, not good enough, not good enough. And the thing is you're looking at other people and they've got these filters on, but it's a filter. We need to start taking personal responsibility, Amy, because we are, yeah, people are putting that out there. It isn't real. But the minute we start 
letting that come into our energy field and start affirming by swiping that filter on um, is the minute we are taking responsibility and we're saying, well, actually, I'm taking that on and I'm just going to keep putting those filters on and then I don't want to see anyone in real life because my skin doesn't look like that. Almost, my body doesn't look like that. We're almost, you know, we're, we're seeing... We're, we're seeing you know everything that's on Instagram and these unrealistic expectations as you see the filters and everything and it's we're, we're then adding to that we're then becoming this other person mm. and it's, I think I, I had a massive kind of wake-up call when because my mum works she runs a charity that works with um, young people with physical and learning difficulties and she I mean I've worked with her for years and I you know volunteer with her and, and the kids and the amount of times that there's you know there's these girls that I've known since they were 12 and they're now in their 20s and they'll say to my mum oh Amy looks amazing on Instagram and Amy this and Amy that and they're almost viewing me in the same way that I'll be viewing other people yeah. just that was a real wake-up call for I don't want to add to that really pressurised at times toxic environment where mm-hmm. particularly women we compare ourselves to other people and think that I need to look a certain way in order to be worthy because yeah. it just isn't the case at all but it's as you see we only take that personal responsibility we only to take a kind of step back and think okay mm-hmm. not only is this not healthy for me but I don't want to put that kind of energy out there into the world and kind of add to this problem yeah we're all living through at the moment again because what we don't want to do is we don't want to demonize people for getting glammed up and looking beautiful either right because we don't want to go too far where people are like oh you're you're pretty I'm gonna hate you yes exactly we want to embrace like the wholeness like I like getting glammed up but also I like wearing Christmas pajamas in June yes do you know what I mean and nothing matches I've got my my brand pants are dyed grey in the wash and I wear them as well like so what that's the whole, oh, it's the, it's the oh, whole thing. It's all of it. Knowing that, yeah, that our whole self is, you know, that hey. that's that's what we feel comfortable being. And if we want to put that out there in the world on social media, then that's completely fine. As you say, Jill, we we can we like getting glammed up, we like getting mm-hmm. our makeup done, etc. But equally, that's you know, there's there's other sides to us. Everybody has different mm-hmm. parts of our, their personality, and I think it's just. Yeah, just making it more real and showing that really authentic side of you. Because as you say, people like that vulnerability. People like to look at people in the public eye or people they follow on social media and see that just relatability. Yeah. See themselves in the people that they follow. Like, God, I'm not I'm not alone in this. And, you know, God, I get breakouts all the time. Or, yeah, my hair's a total mess. And just feeling that normal. That's okay. Yeah. I love that. You're saying on and perfect all the time because nobody is. And I think that's where a lot of people who we look at, you know, you hear these stories of, you know, these beautiful, stunning, what deem to be successful people that, you know, have real anxiety, um, depression, um, mental health, things with their mental health. And God, and I hate to say suicide, um, because of this pressure that that they feel um it's just so toxic and really damaging for for mental health and I really think if we can try and just you know be all sides of ourselves you want to get glam get glam you want to be like 
we need a slob, be like, we need a slob. But, and it's that, it's um, just more rounded, I think, just more of a balance, isn't it? It, it is, it completely is. And I just think, I, I mean, because you, you mentioned, you know, the importance of like this awareness around our, our mental health and and the fact that we can all, we can all suffer. And I think the time that we live in now, we're so, we almost put this pressure on ourselves to feel this happiness all the time and feel fulfilled in every area of our life, whether it's our career, our, you know, our relationships, friendships with our family, um, the way we view ourselves, it's almost like we expect to be so just at this level of happiness and contentment that, let's be honest, you know, we think we're going to reach at some point, but Mm. you might not. We, we all go through different motion, emotions and, and feelings in life and you know <laughs> to, yeah. to what a bit of a tune here life's a roller coaster isn't it? and it's like I think just knowing that that we can all have our ups and downs and normalizing that is so important and I mean it's something that I've really really felt passionately over the last few years and I mean Jill because you know, we didn't actually speak before we came on air about this, but it'll be three years in June um, that my boyfriend took his own life. And it was just, you know, I saw firsthand and then what, you know, the effects it had on me afterwards, just how somebody's mental health and just trying to put on this, you know, mask all the time and, and battle through and, you know, try and deal with probably things in the wrong way, whether it's, you know, that whole sweeping it under the carpet or, you know, drinking our problems away or whatever it is. Um, I saw that really firsthand with Wayne um, and it's just, it's so common. It's so common, which is frightening as well. And I think just we all have this responsibility to try and you know, remind ourselves and the people around us that we all have mental health and we don't need to feel good all the time. Um, and it's, you know, it takes, it takes, you know, courage and strength to actually say, listen, I need help, but it's always the first step in, you know, getting, getting better and being able to handle some of the, you know, the problems that we're going through. And I think it's just since, you know, Wayne, Wayne passed away, I've almost wanted to try and show my kind of vulnerable side and also try and help other people say, listen, I'm not, I'm not okay um, mm-hmm. because, yeah, we live in this society that almost expects us to be okay all the time and it's just, it can be really, really damaging for people. Yeah. And I even think um, in the last three years, things are starting to change around normalising yeah. mental health. But three years ago, it wasn't. Like, no. When I was in corporate, I really struggled um, with actually having shame around feeling low. I, I even remember, and again, this was when when Wayne died, there was this real feeling of, and I mean, his family wouldn't even mind me saying this because we all talk about it now. It's the fact that there was this shame around when he died, what are people going to say? Mm-hmm. How do we break this news to people? Because... There is, there was, and there still is to a degree, although, you know, I think people are getting better about talking about it, but there was this real sense of, God, what are people going to say when they find out it was suicide? And, like, what does the, people are going to blame us? Or what, how are people going to think, you know, are people going to think this was my fault? 
Um, and it was a real, it was just like this almost subconscious feeling of this is something to be so ashamed of. Yeah. That, you know, I, I was seeing them, you know, feeling like this. And um, I just thought, I think because of the job I do as well, and I just thought, no, this, we we cannot, we cannot add to this sense of, of shame and stigma. And I want to be honest about what's happened here because hopefully I'll be able to help other people because we're not the only, you know, I'm not the only partner. I'm, they're not the only family. We're not the only friends that have gone through something like this. And mm. it's not until you're actually open about it that you realise how many people have been affected by suicide and just how every little conversation that you have can make it that little bit easier for people to talk and open up. And I mean, I remember going back to work after Wayne died and it'd been in the papers and things. So I knew that I wanted to address it. And I went back on air and it was really, really tough. It was really emotional and I was crying and my co-hosts were crying and it was tough to put my life out there like that. But I also knew because, I mean, I still remember a guy wrote a letter to me and he said that his wife took her own life 20 years before and he'd never spoken to anyone about it. Um, and he said, now I'm going to do it. It's like, I'm going to pick up the phone. And I'm going to speak to some, like, I'm going to speak to my friends. I'm going to speak to my family. Like, I'm, I'm not going to do this. Just kind of talking it all out. So I think it's just, I feel this sense of responsibility to try and use what happened to Wayne um, and try and just just help other people open up before it gets to the point where it's where it's too late. Because, I, you know, if if he could walk in the room today, it would be it, it, everybody can have bad days, weeks, months, years. Yes, but there's there's always there's always light at the end of the tunnel, regardless of how faint it might be. And if you open up and and speak to people and let them help you that little glimmer of of light that little glimmer of hope can get a lot brighter and I think it's just you know I'm obviously still devastated that Wayne couldn't get to that point but I just want to try and help other people see Mm -hmm. that you know that isn't the way out and that you know there's there is hope and that we can all you know we can all get better from having these mental health struggles because you know we've, we've all been there at times yeah wow and thank you so much for sharing obviously I didn't know about that and I think it's it's really brave of you to share that as well especially because it's so personal and you know often um, when you said we've said this sweeping under the carpet and do you knowing what you know now obviously you can't you can't change the past right but knowing what you know now do you feel that you know a lot more about mental health that you would, um, you can obviously um, notice things more, uh, have more open conversations than you than you could have back then? Because even three years ago, like things have really moved on in the last three years, right? And is it one of those things that I even know myself, like I talk more now, but I didn't used to talk about stuff because again, it's that whole, oh God, don't think I'm a loser or they'll think I'm mad, they'll just label me. And it's just, you know, so we keep it all in, how we're feeling. We do. I think, you know, I think because soon after Wayne died, because I kind of made that decision that I'm not going to, I'm not going to hide behind this because I know that when you're in the kind of role that I'm in, in the media and you're 
talking to people on air, like I'd made the decision that I want to bring my whole self to work. You know, when he, people hear me on the breakfast show, I want, I don't want to be no. an actress. I want to tell people yeah. what is actually going on in my life. They'll hear the funny stories. They'll hear the sad yeah, stories, the tragic stories. Mm. Um, and again, it was just that because I'd made that decision, I just, you know, I'd, I'd almost opened myself up to talking about it and I started having conversations you know there were some people in my life friends in my life that actually heard more on the radio and then that prompted conversations that we'd never had before so it kind of made other people in my life feel more comfortable like I've got five brothers you know my uh, my dad it's like we'd had I'm in quite a you know masculine family it, it did take what happened to Wayne to just get us all to actually open up about our mental health and I think obviously in the, the kind of weeks and months straight after he died it was very very up and down and that's you know the, that's the thing with grief and I remember one of my friends sent me this poem and it was all about grief how it's a wave and when it first hits you it's like all consuming and you can't breathe and you know that I just could not possibly imagine making it through the days never mind the weeks and it was all about how you know over time we've we'll get better at dealing with it. You don't get over it. It's always there, but you get better at, you know, noticing when the waves are going to come and just, you're not completely wiped out. But, you know, we all, whether it's an anniversary or, you know, a song on the radio or a subject at work. I've had a few of those that have just knocked me for six um, and, you know, had me in a, a crying, bubbling mess. But it's the fact that as time goes on, you do get better dealing with that. And I think that, you know, being able to talk to the people that are around you and just being open about how you're feeling is the best way of healing as well. Because I had some terrible times after Wayne died. Like I, I mean, that's the thing. I, it's not funny at all, but I'm laughing when I say the mess that I'd get myself into. And it was, it was drinking too much and mm. I spent a lot of time on my own and had some really dark thoughts and did some silly things. And, um, but I'm honest about it. And I'm, to be honest about it with people in my life as well, because that's the only way that you actually can move on and, and heal from and things. Heal. If I get bottling up, you know, three years on, I probably wouldn't be feeling in this kind of stronger position that I'm that I'm yeah. in now. Yeah, I absolutely love that you share that because I think we have been programmed and conditioned to um, think if we talk about it, then we are giving it power. So just push it down. And actually, the thing is, it's got nowhere to go. Like, you cannot, like, you, you, we, I remember even, like, being a kid saying, like, you know, don't talk about this, keep it in these four walls, yeah. you know, keep your counsel was a term, um, lock it to the back of your mind, just keep pushing it down, eventually it'll go away. And it doesn't, we think by doing that, we're taking our power back. We're not, we're actually disempowering ourselves and giving that all of our power because it starts to manifest in other ways. For example, the way we see ourselves, the way we speak about ourselves, our relationships with other people, um, our relationships with work, with food, with alcohol, with any other substances. Um, and it, it impacts everything. It always comes back, even Five, 10, 15 years later, it always comes back. And actually, it's the opposite. We need to start actually taking our power back by disempowering that 
and speaking about it. Actually, when you speak about it, you disempower it. You let it go. You're like, it's it's so much easier. It's just, we have been almost programmed and brainwashed to be so scared to talk about it that we're terrified to talk about it in case like we, you know, we fall down a deep black hole. But actually we're going down a deep black hole when we don't. And I would encourage anyone that is feeling any sort of overwhelm, even if you're at the start of, you know, I feel this real overwhelm, like normalize it. I mean, and I, what I mean is like, when you start normalizing it early on, um, then you don't need to live in it. Because what happens is when you don't, and when you consistently push it down and push it down and push it down, you end up living in it. And it gets to a point where you think you cannot get out and you'd be better off not here. And that's why I'm, yeah. I remember because after um, after Wayne died, I started a few months after I went to some counselling, like for trauma. And uh, I remember one of the analogies that the counsellor used, and I've always remembered it. And it was about how if you think of your life, because even bef- the reality is, I think I needed counselling before Wayne, because it was, you know, we all go through things in our mm-hmm. life. Probably there were other things that I had hadn't dealt with that I had been kind of sweeping under the, the rug. Um and I remember the, the counsellor saying, because we were going through a lot of things and going back to childhood and all of that. And, um, you know, she said, if you imagine that, you know, all these experiences and everything that we're going through, Amy, they're, imagine it's clothes, right, that you're going to put in your cupboard and your cupboard is your brain. Mm. And it's effectively what we can do as humans is sometimes we just throw things in the cupboard we're throwing it in the cupboard, we're throwing it in the cupboard. And then what happens is one day and it can, you know, can be any day. And the cupboard opens and everything falls out. And it isn't about one thing. It's this combination and this, you know, just absolute like barrage of of stuff that's hitting you that you've Mm. never dealt with over the years. Whereas she says what we want to get you into this position to do is, okay, let's take this item of clothing, let's look at it, let's talk about it and let's fold it up and neatly put it away. And then when we do open that cupboard, everything's organised and it's just we can handle it we can handle it and if we want to take something else out you know to to look at it again we can but we're not going to be in the situation where because I think that's really what happened with Wayne was he was kind of the the straw that broke the camel's back you know it was just one thing that I could not handle um when the reality was there probably been things in my life beforehand that I hadn't really handled so you know I'm glad that I took that that time yeah. and the thing is it can still be it can it can still be tough and that goes back to what we we're saying at the beginning I think Jill of just you know we we will have days where we can handle things and there'll be days that we just can and I mean like even I'm thinking in the last year or so there's been I remember getting just a random message from somebody on social media just saying, was it your your fault that your boyfriend killed himself? And it was just a simple message from this completely, you know, anonymous person, no picture, no nothing. But that absolutely hit me like a ton of bricks. And it was just, even though that day and years on I felt in a lot better position I felt a lot stronger I can you know at one point Jill I wouldn't have even been able to sit and have this conversation mm. with you without probably crying through most of it um and it just hit me so badly even though at that point I felt in this really really quite strong positive kind of headspace um and I think at the time as well I thought I'm now I'm now a way back at the start. I'm now feeling 
this guilt and this shame and all of the things that I felt in the weeks after Wayne died, because I really did blame myself, um, really did feel like it was my fault. And it almost took me straight back to feeling like that. And I almost then was annoyed that I had regressed in my head. Mm. I thought, God, all this work, all this counselling, all this talking, all this reading you've been doing, mm. it's now pointless. It doesn't matter. It's, you know, you're back to square one. And it actually has taken a few little dips in the road like that, that have made me realise, you know, just because you have a dip doesn't mean that all the work you've been doing on yourself and how you're feeling doesn't mean that's gone. Mm. It's still there. You've just had a wee dip. Um, and not to beat yourself up too much about that, because I think yeah. we can do that. Um, and just accepting that, you know, we're humans that have emotions and we're supposed to feel <laughs> a whole, you know, plethora of emotions. We're supposed to feel all of them at some point. Um, and rather than giving ourselves a, a hard time if we're feeling guilt, shame, sadness, anger, whatever it is, just trying to remember that it is exactly that. It's a feeling. and It's it'll a feeling, yeah. And actually just sitting with it, you know, feel it, to, you know, like saying feel it to heal it. Yeah. I think there is a difference between feeling it and actually when you feel it, it goes back to what we were saying before, feeling it and actually um, it dissolves so much quicker than trying to, oh, that really hurt, I'm going to keep busy. And then what happens is we get angry we get resentful, all these other emotions come in. If we just sat with it for just a few moments, you know, it can even be a day mm-hmm. where we feel like that. And it's okay. It's not to label yourself. It's it's an anxious feelings and emotions you're having. You're not an anxious, you know, a lot of people will say to me, I really need you to help me. I've got crippling anxiety. And the first thing I say to them is you are, you don't have, crippling anxiety that is not your label you have anxious feelings right now and what's happening is because you're labeling yourself and you're 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 getting anxious about the anxious feelings that you're having you're starting to live in it and label yourself as that person you're saying oh you know I'm I'm Jill and I have got anxiety you know it's something that I have actually you have anxious feelings me too by the way I get that (laughs) we all get that And it's like, you know, it's okay. And I think when you start to just normalize it, it disempowers it. Like I said, it disempowers it. I think when I say to people, feel it, but don't live in it, you know, give yourself that moment of, you know what, I'm just going to really set that really hard because I love that person. And, you know, I want them to still be here. And yeah, I want to be able to have those conversations. And I feel like I know more if I knew this now, I know then and do, do, do. But actually, it's about, again, that personal responsibility and almost saying, right, I'm only responsible for me and and how I show up. And I think sometimes when you were talking, and I've heard this from people as well, we feel, and I don't know, I'd love to ask you about this, Amy, if there was a guilt about maybe moving on with your life after that, you know, well, actually that person's not here anymore and there's all this grief around, am I allowed to be happy? Is that selfish? Or, you know, what's your thoughts on that? Did you experience that? I felt so much. I felt so much guilt, Jill. I actually, I still remember, like, I felt guilty the first time I properly laughed. And I remember, and it was, you know, it was, it was like months later or something. And I had like, it was almost all this laughter just came out. It almost, it actually then became tears. It went from hysterical <laughs> laughter to 
crying, but I had this moment oh, no. of hysterical laughter and I wish I could remember what it was about, but I can't. But I remember afterwards, I just felt guilty for laughing and I felt guilty for being able to carry on as well. And I think that's the thing about, you know, any grief, there's there's almost this, you feel you feel like I don't want to keep living when this person isn't. But then when you add suicide into the mix and the kind of complex feelings that come along with that, you feel like, well, if I feel like I should have done more and your brain is just constantly going over the what ifs and the things you should have done differently. Um, and it's that really, really consumes you. And you then do think, God, I can't, why am I here? I don't deserve to keep living and being happy because Wayne's not. Mm. And this is all my fault. How how dare I? How dare I, I be, mm. be still here? Um, so, you know, I really, I really struggled that with that for a long time. And that was something that I then addressed in counselling too, because it was this whole sense of, I feel like I can't be happy I feel like I can't move on with my life because I feel like I almost I would be doing a disservice to to Wayne or I worried about what his family would think but what are his family going to think you know when I move on and it's all these things that again they were kind of all consuming at the start and then as years pass and you I've actually gone and you know properly dealt with with Wayne's death and you know, I know him well enough to know that he would be, he would want me to be happy and he would want me to to do what I'm doing as well and try and use what's happened to, you know, take a tragic situation and try mm. and see some good in it and try and use, you know, his and my story to try and help mm. other people. And I, I've, I've only really felt, as I say, probably strong enough to do it in the last maybe, maybe years, kind of nine months um, and I did my first talk at a school just before Christmas um, and it was just being completely honest about what happened to Wayne and how I felt afterwards and how I had these suicidal thoughts um, and I mean it was like all these kids from like 16 to 18 and the feedback afterwards from them it was this feeling of you know oh my God, I've been there and I feel like this and I thought I was the only one that felt like this and blah, 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 and thank you for being honest about it. And that was my kind of moment of, right, I have now finally turned something tragic into a positive because if this can make one person, one teenager sitting in this school feel like, you know, I'm not alone and I don't need to end up going down this path, even Mm -hmm. though I do feel like this at times, then that's that's taking a, a situation and, and making the best of it as much as you possibly can. So I've, I've tried, I really have tried to do that, but yeah, I must say there was a lot of guilt and a lot of kind of shame in the beginning because I felt like, gosh, why did I get to be here? I shouldn't get to be here, especially when, as I say, it's something like suicide because people want to, people want to kind of blame something. As yeah. humans, we want to understand, like we want to know why somebody's not here anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know if if it's oh, it's a car like a car accident that's a clear reason of why somebody isn't here but suicide it's almost people want to say oh and it was it was comments on social media or newspaper articles again things that I've stopped doing now but people that would say oh his relationship must have been awful or gosh it must have been the girlfriend or whatever and it's like that's just because people want to try and rationalize yeah. something in their head they can't 
can't get their head around. Yeah. Um, and because it is, it's really, really difficult. It's really difficult to, to understand. Of but course it is, especially when you're with someone that you love and you think, why did they not... Why couldn't I help them? Why was I not enough for them to be here? In actual fact, it's nothing to do with you or the other person or the family. Um, And I think it's really, um, it is when you say about trying to look at that situation and if that, you know, what you've done and what you've learned from that situation is you've went back and you've actually worked on not just what happened with Wayne, but gone right back to childhood. Mm -hmm. So you've gone right back and worked on this stuff. And do you know what, Amy? You'll probably still be working through it. Like, do you know, sometimes it pisses me off, right? Because the deeper layers you work on, you're like, all right, I'm sorted now. And then boom, someone else comes in. You're like, oh God, all right, am I not done with this old stuff? And then the, 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 the more conscious you become, right? the more it's like expansive you become and then the more deeper work that you're able to cope with and and deal with and what you're doing though it's like that that purpose is you're going in and you're probably saving lives talking about this like you know to know that you went into that school I am telling you right now there will have been at least one person that listened to that and thought I've thought about ending it and I'm not going to now it gave them hope. Now that is life changing. And had that not happened to you and your experience with it, you wouldn't probably be doing that. Exactly. And so that, that, that's the thing I'm trying to to see is for so long, I was so angry about it. I was like, why, you know, why, why has this happened to me? Like, I just don't ever feel like I'm going to get through this. And it was, you know, in the aftermath of something traumatic, it's like, you know, I had, really bad PTSD and you know I couldn't sleep and I had these horrible flashbacks and everything I was like I can't live like this I can't live like this and it was so awful for so long I was so angry about the fact that I felt like I am never going to be the same person again and I almost felt like I was so sad about the fact that I'd lost I thought I'd lost this massive obviously I'd lost a massive person in my life but I'd also felt like I'd lost a part of me and it's taken I would definitely say up till now really to actually realize that I've changed but I'm going to make sure that that's a change for the better and try and use this for the better and and that's that's all that you can can try and do when when things like this happen because I've kind of you know for so long I kept focusing on what could I do what could I do what could I have done and then I actually just sat and it was like just one day it kind of finally dawned on me and and I really accepted that I can't change this. No, no. Again, that goes back to really all how I was as a child because all through my childhood, I'd been a fixer. I tried to be a fixer. Mum and dad's relationship breaking down and mum was in an abusive relationship and all these things that I'd kind of gone through from like a really young age, I always thought it was my job to fix. Yeah. So I then went into relationships in my adult life thinking I need to fix this and if I can't fix it it's a reflection on me and it's only now that I've actually realized that I tried very hard um but that you know it isn't a feeling on my part if I can't do enough but what it seems that it's done for you is you know with Wayne doing what he did but what it's done for you is it's woken you up it really has it has it's it's 
I can almost, I can see life in this completely different way that I would never have been able to see before. And it's taken, it's taken a really traumatic event to just open my eyes to so much, so mm. much about just the world that, that, you know, that we live in, the relationships I have with people, but also so much about myself. Like I, I it's almost like I had this, this light bulb come on and I woke up, as you said, Jill, and I then look at all the things that I'm doing and have, you know, spent my life doing and I've actually worked out, God, that was why, that was why, yeah. why you've done that. And it's almost like I've realised that, hold on a minute, because of these habits that I formed in childhood mm. and the person that I became, yeah. you know, in my teenage years, no wonder when I then look at my adult relationship, mm -hmm. you know, even things in my career, that's exactly why I've, you know, ended up in that relationship or that's why I've done that or that's why I felt like that. And it's it's almost that it's helped me learn more about myself as a person. Mm -hmm. And I think once you then, you know, do that hard work, as we say, Jill, that you find more and more layers of, it's tough, but you you grow from it. Oh, you do. You grow oh, from it. You do. You know, and I think it's also as well that realising it really isn't comfortable at times. Like there were so many times that I would come away from counselling or having big discussions and I would think, why on earth am I doing this? Because mm. you realise that, you know, maybe I should just sweep this under the rug. I don't need to talk about this today. Mm. I could be something totally different. But it's being uncomfortable and coming out of that comfort zone yeah. is where we it is where we grow. It's and where it, the growth is. Oh my God. Yeah, it is. It can be, it can be bloody painful, but in time, and that's the thing, it does take time, you will grow and develop as a person, you know, yeah. from, those, from those, those moments. Yeah. Oh my God, hundred percent. And actually those triggers that we have, and you get those triggers now, like that person that said that to you in your inbox, it was a trigger for you, but it was a trigger because it was that old version of you that it was triggered that that part that wound was triggered because it was like oh god they're saying that I should have I should have been able to fix him and I, and I what and I couldn't and I was a fixer and it, and I think it's just taking that pause and being like this is just an old wound that's been triggered this isn't the truth yeah. you know that's not who I am to my core I wasn't born a person that needed to fix it's the experiences that I've had in my life that have shaped the character that I've taken on that the roles that I've taken on but actually I wasn't born like that and when we go into the soul and we let go of the attachment to the mind and attachment to the body we are a whole person with all these different emotions and it's okay you know yeah. nothing needs to have meaning and we're getting up at jeep now Amy right we're old <laughs> nothing else meaning I am not the body I'm not even the mind right but the actual truth is triggers are our gifts when we're being triggered, it's like, right, what is this? Why is this hurting me? It's because of an old trigger, an old belief that I used to have. It's not truth. Okay, I'm going to let that go. Yeah. And it's taking that power back rather than giving it away. Um, oh, my God. What a bloody conversation. <laughs> oh, my God. I have loved this. And um, and I said to Amy at the start, I don't like take notes, don't really have any questions. We'll just kind of roll with it. And this has just been amazing. And I have to say, really inspiring. And I'm so grateful to you, number one, for saying yes. And number two, for just really going there. Because that's not easy. And it, the easiest thing is just go, oh, yeah, you know, let's just keep talking about Instagram. That's a, that's a really relevant thing right now. 
but you went there and I'm really grateful and honoured that you felt safe and comfortable enough to share that with me considering we've only just met. Well that's that's just so much down to you Jill and the fact that you know you you do this with your your guests and you give us that that safe space to be able to just be real and be vulnerable because and I think the, the thing that just makes me want to do that is just realising that I just want to encourage other people to be able to be their real self as well because it is it can be so difficult to mm-hmm. show that real kind of raw vulnerable side to herself and it's it's just you know the the more people that you have these conversations with in your life you actually then realize that we all have our own stuff yeah we all have yeah no matter what you see you know the pictures you see the person you see um that's that's just one part of them and we all do have layers and layers to our, our personality and we've all gone through experiences in our life and I think that you know it's Sometimes it's it's the tough things and the difficult things and the horrible things that happen that really do shape you. Shape you. Mm-hmm. And in many ways, I'm I'm almost pr- I'm almost prouder of that than the good things. You know, the 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 good things are like careers great and all of that, but yeah. it, we should be proud of the tough things that we overcome yeah. because, as you say, we have shown up. We are here. Um, and if we can actually use our own kind of stories and our own experiences to help other people, then we're all going to help, you know, build each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, yeah, it's been, it's been lovely to, to Oh, try. amazing. I want to just finish on one question for you. If you could give advice to your younger self, what would you tell her? Oh, if I could give advice to my younger self, I would say... Stop being so hard on yourself. Definitely stop being so hard on yourself in every way because all that energy that I've spent beating myself up about, whether it's, you know, from a kid that blamed herself for their mum and dad splitting up or blaming myself as the girlfriend when her boyfriend took his own life or... Mm -hmm. So I would definitely say just stop being so hard on yourself and, you know, rather than treat myself as a human punch bag just give myself a hug like mm-hmm. actually just be be that support network for myself first and foremost rather than looking for that elsewhere I love that and it never ends guys we always need to work on ourselves. I'm always working on myself you know always and I think that it's something that we should wear um as a badge of honor rather than a, a thing that we're embarrassed about do you know like as Amy said earlier you don't go to the gym once and expect a six pack <laughs> muscle or like arms like Jennifer Aniston. It takes work and it can be tough. Mm-hmm. But you've got to do it and it's worth it. It's worth it because it's that freedom that you get when you do it. So, um, oh God, Amy, thank you so much. Thank you. For taking the time out and having this conversation. I it's inspired me. It really has. And I know it will inspire so many people that listen to it. So thank you for being so open, vulnerable and beautiful. Oh, Jill, thank you. It's been so nice to talk to you. Hopefully get a proper hug in person soon. I know. Thank you so much, lovely. Bye.